Well, good morning. It is awesome to see everyone this morning, and it's a real treat. Um, every time I get up to speak, which isn't maybe what once a year, but there's always some kind of flannel graph up here. And the very first time I got up to speak, I don't know when we were going through the whole Bible. I spoke through the Book of Daniel, and uh, Ray was kind enough to put uh, some lines up here. So, uh, thanks, Ray. Well, I am excited about this message because it's been a huge encouragement to me. Um, I've been studying through the book of Isaiah uh, through Bible study fellowship over the past few years or for the past year. And one of the big things that's jumped out to me is the sovereignty of God. And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing uh, to know as believers that God is sovereign. About three years ago, um, it was probably even further than that, I was in Michael's, uh, the craft store. You have probably asked, why is a guy going into a craft store? Mm. I do know that Joe needlepoints, so he probably goes in there often. Um. <laughs> no, I wasn't buying crafts. I was uh, in the pursuit of Thomas the Train with uh, my two boys. Well, two of my boys. Um, and it was when Andrew and Matthew were my only two boys. Well, we... Uh, Needless to say, that night that we went into Michael's ended with an adventure. Um, we were in the midst of potty training our oldest, and youngest, Matthew, was still in, the, in his diapers. We were checking out all the Thomas the Train stuff, and as a dad, he smelled stuff, you know, and so I smelled something. And I double-checked Andrew, wasn't him, so I did the sniff check um, to Matthew, and of course it was him. I didn't think anything of it because Matthew was still in diapers. Um, I figured, hey, no need to worry, right? Being a guy and about being excited about buying Tom's to train stuff, I left the house in a hurry and didn't think about bringing a diaper bag. It didn't even cross my mind. So we picked up our Thomas gear and we were heading to the cash register to purchase diesel, the tank engine, with Andrew saying, with, uh, when Andrew says, Daddy, Matthew pooped. I looked into the cart and it's coming out of his diaper up his back under the shopping cart and under the box that had the Thomas the Train stuff in it. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, this is quite the predicament. Um, what should I do? I don't have any diapers. I don't have any wipes. And we're in a store. So I began to search frantically for the bathroom and headed towards the back of the store, right by uh, the customer service desk. I looked at the lady. I lay the diesel, the tank engine on the desk but I had to take the other item that I had with me into the bathroom. She, looking at the box, says, okay. And I assured her that I would buy the item. So I wheeled the cart into the bathroom with two boys in tow. Andrew's sitting in the cart and Matthew is in the cart seat. So we get into the bathroom and I pulled Matthew out and lay him on the floor looking around for something to clean him up with. When I see the paper towel dispenser, all right, and I begin to pull the handle to get the paper towels out when the cover of the paper towel dispenser falls and lands on the cement floor. And of course, it makes this massive sound. And so the lady's probably thinking to herself, this kid's guy's beating his children. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andrew is singing loudly in the background, I may never march in the infantry. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like in chaos mode here. Finally get the paper towel. Yeah, I know. It was the only thing in reach. Not the most comfortable, but it was the only thing I had. But what do you do? You go, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? 
for, from there on, I begin to clean the cleanup process, after which I must clean the floor, the shopping cart, wash pants, shirt, clean the floor outside the bathroom as poop has managed to fall on the floor out there, clean the box with a toy in it and have my one-and-a-half-year-old freelance with no diaper on until we can get home to replace it. So the moral of the story is, don't leave home without wipes, diaper, and a good sense of humor. I will say that that is the quickest that I've ever left a store. And I know that's a funny story, but when we think about our life, sometimes there's just chaos, right? It just seems like, what are we going to do? We're hanging on by a thread, you know? And that's just a fun illustration of the chaos that sometimes ensues in our life. Um, you know, sometimes we're in, uh, facing temptation. Sometimes we're facing enormous trials, and we just don't know what to do. Um, and that's just a part of life. But the cool thing is, and this is something that really jumped out to me as I was considering the sovereignty of God. In the Old Testament, the high priest was told to never tear or rent his clothes. And I got to thinking to myself, why is that? Why would the high priest never tear his clothes? You know, in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, sometimes when a disaster would happen or, say, a death in the family or whatever, what would they do? They would tear their clothes, right? And they would put sackcloth and ashes on and they would, they would weep and they would mourn and it was just this whole cultural thing that they would do when there was a disaster or so-called disaster. In Leviticus 21.10 it says, The high priest, the one among his brothers who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must not let his hair become unkempt or tear his clothes. Exodus 28 verses 31 and 32 says, Make the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth, with an opening for the head in its center. There shall be woven a woven edge like a collar around this opening, so that it will not tear. And I began to think about this concept, and I was looking around, and I found this quote by Larry Crabb. And he says this, he says, The answer lies in the privilege accorded only to priests. In Old Testament times, only priests were permitted access into the tabernacle's holy place. And once a year, the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, the very presence of Jehovah. None but the high priest knew what it was to stand in the presence of God. None but the high priest could sprinkle the blood of a sacrificial lamb on the mercy seat to avert the righteous judgment of a holy God. Only he could approach God in this way and live. Now compare his privilege of access with his responsibility not to tear his clothes or his robes. Recall that tearing robes was a cultural way of expressing profound despair over a disaster. The lesson is clear. Someone who has access to the immediate presence of God never has reason to regard anything as a disaster. Isn't that amazing? We sit here as believers and we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. We talked about it this morning. It was in the songs that we sang. We have the privilege of going boldly before the presence of God. We don't have to consider anything in our lives a disaster. Because God doesn't consider them a disaster. Over the last seven months or so, I've been going through, like I said, the book of Isaiah. It has been an incredible study. 
So many things have jumped out to me through the book regarding the character of God. One of the biggest things, though, that has jumped off the pages of Isaiah is that our God, yours and mine, is sovereign. Like we just talked about regarding the priest, there was a special privilege afforded the high priest, and that was to be able to go into the presence of God yearly. We as believers have a unique privilege afforded us as well, and that is to know the sovereign God, to have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, our Savior. As most of you know, there is a lot of discussion over the sovereignty of God, but my goal today is not to look at those areas of discussion, but to look at the beauty of the sovereignty of God for us as believers. At the foundation of this message is the belief that God is sovereign over all things. If God is not sovereign, He ceases to be God. So if we were to look and define what sovereignty is, we could look at in the dictionary or whatnot, but this is kind of a general description or definition of what sovereignty is. Supreme rank, power, of, power or authority, preeminent, greatest, above all. The right of God to do as He wishes with His creation. This implies that there is no external influence upon Him and that He also has the ability to exercise His right according to His will. Here's a, a definition from Lehman Strauss says, God is the creator and controller of the universe and all that is in it. Whether animate or inanimate, any use or disposition he chooses to make of any part of his creation is his sovereign right. God is accountable only to himself. He reports to nobody. He is not required at any time to give any person any explanation for anything he says or does. He is the superpower above all powers in every area of His creation. We do not expect to understand fully the purpose for our trials until our Lord calls us home to be with Him. But we do know that He loves us too much to harm us, and that He is far more concerned with our welfare than we are. God's choices are always right. He is capable of carrying out any project to a successful conclusion without the possibility of fault or failure. Nothing in this universe happens by chance or accident. For every effect, there is a cause. God worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. Psalms 50, verse 1 says, The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun and where it sets. Isaiah 40 verse 15 says, Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. 1 Timothy 6.15 says, Which God will bring about in His own time, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. If we were to look through all of Scripture, we would see the sovereignty of God as one of the major themes in every passage and all every book that we looked at. It's an amazing thing to think that God is in complete control. And that the cool thing is for us as believers is that we know that God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And when we face trials, when we face so-called disasters in our lives, we can look to God and say, you know what? This is God's plan. And He is in in control. Excuse me. What I'd like to do right now is just take a real quick glimpse through the Scriptures at some passages and some examples of God's sovereignty. We can go all the way to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created it? God did. He is the one that created all of creation. He created you. He created me. He is a sovereign Lord. We all know the story of Joseph. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You all know that Joseph's brothers threw him in a well, and they sold him off to go to Egypt. He was sold as a slave there in Egypt, and he went through the ranks. You can imagine being torn away from your family, having your brothers hate you, being put in a place that is not your home. But yet, what does he say at the end of his life? God intended it for good. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 10 through 11, it's a conversation that Jethro has with Moses. And Jethro is his father-in-law, and he's a priest in Midian. He said, he said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued you, who rescued the people from the land, hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. For He did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Deuteronomy 4.39 says, Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. If we were to look at Hannah's prayer, we won't read the prayer, but if we were to look in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we would see an incredible prayer by a woman uh, named Hannah, and it remarkably talks about the sovereignty of God and His hand in all things and His control. Hezekiah in Second Kings verses 19 through 15, it says, And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heaven and the earth. David's prayer before death, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things and in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. We know the story of Job. And we see time and time again in Job's life, at the end of the book especially, where God shows Job, who are you? You are but a man. I am God. We can see that in Job's life. In Psalms 115.3 it says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Or whatever pleases Him. Psalms 103.19 The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. One of the most... uh, prominent passages where people go to when they talk about the sovereignty of God is in the book of Daniel. And you all know the story of Nebuchadnezzar, how he is standing and looking on his balcony and he's looking over and he's saying, look at this great nation that I have created. What happened? He's like, wait a second, I don't think that's the case. If you look in Daniel chapter 4 and you go through the passage of 28 through 36, I won't read it all, but I'll start... Basically, 
Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy and he ends up in the fields. And eventually he acknowledges God's sovereignty. And this is what it says. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Here's a wicked, wicked king who acknowledges that God is in complete control, that He is sovereign, that He is supreme, that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If we were to look at Isaiah, there's tons of passages. Mr. Glenn read those, or Prof. Glenn read those. Uh, earlier, we can see the sovereignty of God. We can see in John 19, verse 11, it says, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of the greater sin. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. We see it in chapter 1 of Ephesians. We see it in chapter 2 of Philippians. We see it in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We see it in Hebrews 1.3. We see it in Revelations 19.6, which says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and, the like, and like the loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our God, our Lord God Almighty reigns. All through the Scripture, we see the sovereignty of God present. We see that in every book, in every passage, that God is in control. That He is our Creator. That He is the one that sits on the throne and He reigns. And we as believers know Him through Jesus Christ. We can see through all of Scripture that our God reigns. So why is this a beautiful thing for us as believers? What does this invoke within us knowing and believing that our God is sovereign? My first point is, is that God's sovereignty is beautiful because it provides peace and affords the believer to not fear. Peace is a remarkable thing. It's something that all men long for in their lives and in their world. The amazing thing, though, is that not many find peace. It's offered to them in Christ, but narrow is the road that leads to life. We here in this room have found peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have submitted our lives to the only one that can give life and give us life abundant. We have placed our faith in the one that alone can fill that emptiness within our soul and give us peace. We have recognized that God, in His sovereignty, before time began, had a plan in place to send His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. The amazing thing is that now that we have trusted Christ and placed our faith in Him, we have access into the presence of God, the sovereign God. And if we have access into the presence of the sovereign God, we don't have to see anything as a disaster because we know that God is in control about, and above all things and, not, and nothing takes Him by surprise. It's pretty remarkable. 
If you think about our body as CBC, we've gone through some pretty rough times over the past few years, haven't we? You can look at the people around you and the suffering and the turmoil and the temptations and the struggles and the trials that a lot of us have faced. And it can be, it, it can be discouraging. You know, at those times in our lives, it seems like that's when we're most tempted by our enemy because he sees we're down and we're distraught. But as believers, we look at life differently, don't we? We should. We should have peace in the midst of those times. It doesn't mean we don't mourn. It doesn't mean we don't weep. It doesn't mean we don't struggle and battle and fight. But in the midst of that, there is a peace because we know that God is sovereign. He is in control. This isn't a disaster. This is His plan for us in our lives. We can look at the earthquakes that have happened in Japan. We can look at the tornadoes over the past week that have killed hundreds of people here in America. We don't have to be distraught. We can find peace in the midst of that so-called chaos because we know that God is sovereign. That is a beautiful thing that not many in this world have. We live and can live a life of peace knowing that God is sovereign. That is a beautiful thing. I got an email from Steve this week regarding a man by the name of David Wilkerson. He died this week and he, I don't know if some of you guys remember The Cross and the Switchblade, that old school movie that we all watched at camp. Um, but he died this week and Steve passed this along and I thought I would read it because I think it's, it's fitting. Basically, this is his last journal entry before he died. It says, when all means fail. It says, to believe when all means fail is exceedingly pleasing to God and is most acceptable. Jesus said to Thomas, you have believed because you have seen, but blessed are those that believe and do, uh, that do believe and have not seen. Blessed are those who believe when there is no evidence of an answer to prayer, who trust beyond hope when all means have failed. Someone has come to the place of hopelessness, the end of hope, the end of all means. A loved one is facing death, and a doctor gives no hope. Death seems inevitable. Hope is gone. The miracle prayed for is not happening. That is when Satan's hordes come to attack your mind with fear, anger, overwhelming questions. Where's your God now? You prayed until you had no tears left. You fasted. You stood on promises. You trusted. Blasphemous thought will be injected into your mind. Prayer failed. Prayer failed. Don't quit on God. Just do not trust Him anymore. It doesn't pay. Even questioning God's existence will be injected into your mind. These have been the devices of Satan for centuries. Some of the godliest men and women who ever lived, ever lived were under such demonic attacks. To those going through the valley of the shadow of death, hear this word. Weeping will last through some dark, awful nights. And in that darkness, you will soon hear the Father whisper, I am with you. I cannot tell you right now why, but one day it will all make sense. You will see it was all part of my plan. It was no accident. It was no failure on your part. Hold fast. Let me embrace you in your hour of pain. Beloved, God has never failed to act, but in goodness and love when all means fail, His love prevails. Hold fast to your faith. Stand fast in His word. There is no other hope in this world. Pretty remarkable that that was his last entry before he passed away. It's so true. In our darkest hour, in our biggest struggles, we can find peace. And we can hear the Father whisper, I am with you. 
and we can sense and feel His arms wrapped around us. Isaiah 43.1 says, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Remarkable promise. Romans 8, verses 31 through 39, talks about the fact that we are more than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will not he also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or dangers or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither things present, nor things to come, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we can't find peace in that, we'll never find peace. It is about Jesus Christ, and it is about God in His sovereignty. And as a believer, it's a beautiful thing Because God's sovereignty provides us peace, knowing that He is in complete control. God's sovereignty is beautiful because it provides a hope as well, does it not? I have a surprise for you. I hate to ruin the ending, but God wins. Amen? We as believers have a special privilege of knowing what the future holds. We don't know all of the details of how it will play out in the end. We know some of the details, nor can we look into the future of our own lives and know what our path is going to, where our path is going to take us, and know the path that God has for us to take. But we do know what our inheritance is and where we will spend eternity. How cool is it as believers to have a hope that does and will not disappoint? How amazing is it to know what God has written in His Word regarding our future and know that nothing can thwart or change the plans and the promises that God has made. Our hope is secure. And Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be made sight. That is my favorite hymn, and I want it sung at my funeral. Alright? So just remember that. If I'm still here, I want that song sung because that's what it's all about, right? The day our faith is made sight. Pretty remarkable. In the midst of this world, as we've discussed, there are hurts and pains. There's a lot of tears and grief. The attacks and temptations of this world continually bombard us as believers. But at the foundation of our lives is knowing that our God is sovereign. That He is the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth. When we enter into His presence through prayer and reading of the Word of God, we are continually reminded of His sovereignty. We are reminded of His plan that was set in motion before time began. We are reminded of the day when the Lord will come back for His people and meet them in the air. We are reminded that one day our faith will be made sight and will be in the presence of our great and mighty Sovereign Lord. 
There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. Only Christ. Wow. God the Almighty wins. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can thwart His plans. That victory over sin and death happened on the cross. It is done! We read that, we heard that this morning. I think it was Mark that mentioned that. Victory has been promised or pronounced. His plan is perfect and true, and He has given us as believers an incredible hope. Lord, come quickly. Revelations 21 verses 1 through 8 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be there um, with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It is a beautiful thing for us as believers because it gives us a hope. And our hope is secure and nothing will change what the future holds in regards to God's plan for that. It's a God's sovereignty is beautiful because it gives us a correct perspective. When I was talking to Ray this week, I was reminded uh, the very first time I spoke at CBC Children or Youth Camp, I was praying and fasting and trying to figure out what God had for camp. And it was the most amazing thing, and I'll remember it, because it just jumped off the pages. And the theme for that very first week was, I am just a man. And I can remember that, and I will take that to my grave, because that was something that God revealed to me that was one of the most profound things in my life. Because it gave me perspective. If God is sovereign, then who am I? I am subject to the king. I am just a man. When the world around us considers the sovereignty of God, they don't get it. They don't understand. The world hates the sovereignty of God. But we have a different perspective because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We realize that He is God and we are men. It's a good thing to know and it's a beautiful thing to know because it puts things into the proper perspective as we consider God's sovereignty. My last point is God's sovereignty is beautiful because it provides boldness and courage to the believer. This is something that I've really been convicted on lately because I feel like I'm not as bold as I ought to be in my faith. We've got so many neighbors that don't know Jesus Christ. We have great relationship with them, but when have I ever just stepped out on the edge and said, here's Jesus. You know, I feel like we're good examples and we help and do different things, but I've got to use my words to tell them about Jesus Christ. What's our mission as believers? It's to proclaim Christ's death until He comes. Is it not? That is our mission. We are called to preach Christ crucified. And when we consider the sovereignty of God, that should give us great courage and boldness in doing it. Why? Because we know the end. We know that we're going to be with Christ in heaven and we should have that desire 
to see others come to know Christ as their Savior. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20 is the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, what? I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we consider the sovereignty of God, that should instill within us boldness and courage because we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at our back. You know, it's one of those things where I saw this video where this cougar was chasing this baby bear, right? And this cougar was chasing along and this baby bear is running and trying to get away from the cougar. And finally, the, the, cougar, the baby bear was just trapped, right? And he was just, he didn't know what else to do. So this cougar is about ready to attack this little baby bear. And all of a sudden, the bear just starts, Aah! and you can't even hear this. And it's just this enormous sound. And the baby bear is like growling as much as he can. And all of a sudden, the cougar runs away. And we're like, wow. And all of a sudden it pans out. And who's standing behind the baby bear? It's the mama bear on his two feet, like this, all hunched over and growling as loud as he can. It's not our words, is it not? It is God's word. When we consider the word of God and we consider the promises that God's word will not come back empty, we can take that to the bank. We can have boldness and courage and say, you know what? My God is sovereign. He has made plans in His Word. He has given us the gospel message to proclaim and to preach. We can trust His Word and it will not come back empty. We can have a boldness and a courage because our God is sovereign. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 and 9 says, What after all this? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 9 says, For the spirit, of, spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. Boldness. It's a beautiful thing to know the sovereignty of God because it gives us boldness, or it should give us boldness, Encourage to proclaim the gospel to those around us. Well, it looks like you might get to go home for lunch a little bit early. So, in conclusion, I guess my dream for us as a body is that we would have an enormous, grandiose view of who God is. We can't go wrong with stepping outside of the box with stepping outside of our own little ideas of what God is and who He is, we can't go wrong with expanding our view and realizing that God is a sovereign God. He has put His plan in motion from before time began, and He will complete it with perfection, without any fault or failure. And we are a part of that plan. He has chosen us as His children through His Son, Jesus Christ.
at the foundation is the sovereignty of God. Without God being sovereign, He would cease to be God. The beauty of His sovereignty is that it works in conjunction with all of His other attributes. He rules with righteousness, with holiness, with love, with grace, with wrath, with justice. It is perfect and a holy rule. He answers only to Himself and can only do what is right and perfect according to His will. Our God is beautiful, is He not? His sovereignty is beautiful. It gives us, as a believer, peace. It gives us a hope. It gives us a correct perspective on life and eternity. It conjures up within us boldness because we are on His side. We are His children. So what does it mean for me individually? What does it mean for Lenny? A sample of what it means is that when Sarah and I raise our boys, we can have a peace and a freedom to do what God has called us to do and leave the results to God. Isn't that not the case? In our marriage, I can love my wife as Christ lo- or, yeah, I can love my wife as Christ loved the church, and I can leave the results to God because He is sovereign. When I go through difficult times, I can trust and have a peace in my mourning and weeping, knowing that He is sovereign. And He is God. And this didn't take Him by surprise. It is part of His plan and part of His purpose in my life. What does it mean for CBC? It means that at CBC, we can attempt great things for God through prayer and action with great boldness. And we can expect great things from God within our body and our neighborhood and our families Our God is the Sovereign Lord, the Ruler, the Almighty One, our Creator. I pray that our hearts are encouraged to trust Him more and rest in the fact that He is Sovereign. I'll end on this verse, Isaiah 44, 6. Uh, Prof. Glenn read this. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first, I am the last, and apart from me, There is no God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly and we thank you that you are a sovereign God, that you rule with righteousness, with perfection, without any fault or error. Oh, we just uh, thank you that you've included us in your plan. We thank you that you have allowed us and afforded us the opportunity to know your Son, Jesus, and to know you through him. Lord, we look forward to the day when you come back for us. We look forward to the day when your plan is complete and we are away from this place in a perfect place with no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. But I pray now as we live our lives, uh, as we struggle, as we are um, battered and beaten by temptations and trials, that you would give us peace and hope, a proper perspective and boldness for you knowing that you are sovereign and in complete control. Lord, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for the life that we have in him. And we pray that you would go before us now uh, with great boldness. In your name, amen.